Before we get going with this week's show, a word from a few of our friends. Let's start with TaylorMade. TaylorMade partnerships provide an unmatched entry and experience into both the racing and breeding side of the thoroughbred industry. Now you can be a part of top-level racing and breeding with all the rewards and less risk and cost. Medallion Racing has enjoyed great success through the years, with 66% of starters running in graded stakes and 25% in grade ones. Last year, Medallion was fortunate enough to have an impressive four Breeders' Cup starters. Similarly, our bloodstock investments has discovered great value on the breeding side of the game, buying and selling such standouts as Improbable, Bast, Cutting Humor, and Flame Away, among others. Join us and experience the thrill with us, your family. Tailor-made partnerships, Medallion Racing, be sure to check them out. And a word from our friends at Keeneland. Keeneland is back, and there are some noteworthy items. The Keeneland Turf Pick 3, it was a smash hit last year. It's back again this year. Certainly going to want to take a look at that. The quality of racing from start to finish, 15 stakes races worth $7.7 million. And from a gambling standpoint, new Keeneland Select accounts will receive a special $100 back after they wager $200 on Keeneland Racing this April. Wager a total of $300 in the first 30 days and earn another $100 back with the standard sign-up bonus. So, $300 on the Keeneland Spring Meeting equals $200 back in your account. You have to use the promo code ITM22. That's Keeneland. Full swing. Keeneland Spring. You know it's spring when Keeneland is here. We're going to talk about Keeneland in a little bit. First things first, let's move on to the beginning of episode 111. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernie, your show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernie, or you can follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Today is Monday, April the 11th, 2022. It's episode 111 of the pod. However, you listen, thank you for doing so. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, in the moneypodcast.com. You can also watch along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernie, your show. You will get this episode along with the 110 prior. And again, if you do watch over there, make sure you subscribe and make sure the bell icon is lit up. We have a Triple Crown draft coming up this week. I assume there'll be a video element of it over there on the channel. And you can find it again if you listen to or subscribe to the In The Money podcast feed. You'll be able to get all that info as well. Uh, this week's show, it's going to be talking about the three 100-point derby preps. And I don't know that I'll go and do deep dives. There were formful races. Nothing ridiculous happened. Well, I guess, in a sense, something ridiculous happened out at Santa Anita. But point is, it's not like we had to deal with trips, this, that, or the other. The best horses won. They ran. They got the job done. I'll dive into the three preps, and I'm also going to say what you will. Roll your eyes, turn it off, do whatever you want. I'm going to give you a fair odds line for the horses 1 through 20 on the list right now. I know the Lexington is coming up at Keeneland this Saturday. If something ridiculous happens there, great. Fine. I'm giving you the my fair odds, 1 through 20, and I know the post draw. It's one of the few races that I actually give a care about. But barring somebody drawing the one hole, and even 20 I really don't even care about, barring somebody drawing one, I'm going to give you a fair odds, in my opinion, 1 through 20, based on the horses on Monday afternoon, listed over on KentuckyDerby.com. So that's what's on deck this week. If you have thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, other horses you want to hear about, I'm planning on next week probably diving into the full Oaks picture. We'll see what things look like at that point. And maybe that's when we can clean up some of the loose ends as far as horses that I won't talk about here in this show. Whether it is Speaker's Corner or clearly talking about the girls 
the Oaks races, whether it was the Ashland or the Gazelle or the Santa Anita Oaks or any of the girls' races from before that I still haven't touched on. That'll happen next week. But if you have specific horses or questions about horses that you want answered, Beneath the Video Player on YouTube is the way to do it. So let's get right into it. We'll take them in chronological order. Start in New York, go to Kentucky, wrap up out in California. The final 100-point preps on the road to the Kentucky Derby in 2022. We had big performances from Mo Donegal and early voting, Zandon, Smile Happy, Taba, Messier. Let's do it. Wood Memorial, Mo Donegal defeats early voting. Fantastic finish. Thought it was a great race all around. The real question that I have, and I'm trying to figure out where I land on this, it's not a matter of which fig do I believe more. It's I have a really difficult time believing that the top five finishers in this race, there were only eight horses that ran, that the top five finishers all ran career bests. Whether you're a fan of the buyer you're a fan of the Timeform US rating. I don't know what the other figs look like. I don't have them readily available. But the notion that, that you know, 62% or whatever it is, 63% of the field ran the best race of their life on Saturday, it seems a little unlikely to me. But then again, you watch the tape and you go, it makes sense. The top two ran bang-up races. Morello draw a line through the race. I watched the head on. I know it says he hit the gate. I guess he brushed up against it. I just thought he got away like crap. But the top two, they ran big races. Did they run so far in a way the best that they've ever run according to Timeform US? Or did they run slightly the best based on the buyer number? And you can read uh, Craig Milkowski over on Twitter the difference really kind of speaker's corner is i guess the race that there's a, a difference of opinion but i you know you, you can go and search that sort of stuff out i just either they ran slightly the best race of their life or considerably the best race of their life but more importantly third fourth and fifth all ran the best race of their life and i just have a really difficult time envisioning that being the scenario and it's not to say that i don't believe the numbers but in my head i'm thinking how likely is that? When was the last time you saw a legitimate run where more than half the field ran the best of their life? And by the way, third, fourth, and fifth were defeated by three and a half to four lengths. I mean, it seems like you're asking a lot, but that's up to you as the handicapper. What I'll say about the top two, and again, don't hold this race against Morello, just give him the start. Maybe he's not this good, but if you're using this as the barometer, I think you're doing it wrong. Mo Donegal has an unreal finish, as does Zandon, who wins the Bluegrass. We'll talk about him in a moment, but bringing it back to last year's Remsen, the two horses want every bit of a mile and a quarter. The problem is, neither of them have any kind of early speed, and if you're getting stuck into either of them the first Saturday in May, boy, you, you had sure as hell hope that you get similar rides that you got on Saturday, because there were two masterpieces from Rosario and Pratt. Rosario saved every inch of ground for a moment on the far turn, tipped out into the 2-3 path, got right back down to the inside, and outfinished early voting, eventually tipping out to the 2 path. Pratt weaves his way through traffic, and again, we'll talk about that more in depth when we go over the Keeneland race, but he came from dead last rounding the far turn. There are two horses that want the distance probably more than anyone else, but if you are banking at a short price that you're going to be able to get the pace that you need and work out some sort of a beautiful trip... You, you need to hope that you're going to get an otherworldly ride from guys like this. 
And by the way, it sounds like your rad's going to be riding Mo Donegal. It's not like that's a downgrade, but the the big picture is you really expect that it all to work out so beautifully again? Think about that before you settle on too short a price for a horse like this. As far as early voting is concerned, what was the excuse? He ran a brilliant race, and he got beat by a better horse. It is what it is. He ran. He just got beat. And in my head, I'm thinking, unless you think Mo Donegal is the horse to beat in Louisville, okay, he couldn't beat him. Now you got to deal with his uncoupled stablemate, Zandon. Now you got to deal with Epicenter. Now you got to deal with Taba and Messier and all these other horses. I'm skeptical. I like him. I think he's a good horse. He's got plenty of ability. The top two have ability. Don't get me wrong. But you've got an unreal ride from Rosario and early voting. I don't know. What else could he possibly have done as far as the trip was concerned? And he still couldn't get the job done. If you think maybe he needed the race and he's going to take a step forward in Louisville, great. But I, I don't know. I think there are better speed horses than him. And if he couldn't beat Mo Donegal, what? why all of a sudden is he going to beat him with more distance, which theoretically is going to work to Mo Donegal's advantage? I think there's a lot to unpack from this race. I, again, I'll be curious to hear what, what all of your opinions are. I thought it was a good race. I think they both are, are legitimate, legitimate three-year-olds. But big picture, one of them is a closer who's about to take on 19 other horses and is coming off of an A++ ride. And the other one had, for the most part, everything kind of go his way on the front end and he still couldn't beat the other horse. Why all of a sudden is he going to be able to do it four weeks from now against other horses who also fit the bill. I think they're good horses. I've been a fan of early voting from day one. I, I've liked Mo Donegal from day one. Go back to the horse player happy hours from last year. We talked about Mo Donegal in his first few starts. And I said, he is going to be a mile and a quarter horse. Wouldn't be surprised if he's a derby type. Here we are. But from a gambling standpoint for either of them, you're going to have to tell me what the, the case is at a short price for either of them. The first Saturday in May. Let's go to Keeneland. Bluegrass at Keeneland, Zandon defeats Smile Happy, wins by more than two lengths. Smile Happy's nearly four lengths, clear of third. The top two are the only ones I'm going to talk about. Zandon gets a 98 buyer, a 120 Timeform US rating, but if you include or adjust for pace, a 119. So they're, as I throw a pen, that, that fired up, fired up. That's how close they are. Everything seems to make sense there. Look, as I said about Zandon when talking about Mo Donegal, I mean, this has been this is going to be Chad's best chance to win a Derby. I don't think that's breaking any news. Uh, going to need to get lucky because he has no pace. He has no speed. Tell me I'm wrong. At no point in this horse's career has he been remotely close to the pace. And when he was in the Remsen, they were crawling. They went 51-3 and three for that race. The time form U.S. pace figure was an 85, and he was a length and a half off of it. Now, he went 109 for a pace fig at the half in this race, and he was 10th. The pace is going to be faster in the Derby than what you saw at Keeneland on Saturday. It was a tepid pace. And yes, give him a little bit of credit for rallying. But the adjusted fractions for the Bluegrass make it seem like it was actually a pretty reasonable pace. The half was 46.95 compared to the real clock of 48.39. I'm not saying Zandon can't win the race. But you would better hope that you get another brilliant ride from Pratt. And you don't get stopped. Because he's not going to be close to the front. He's not. And there are going to be other horses who get the jump on him who still have some kind of finish at the end. If he gets clear run throughout, look out. He's going to be running. Same goes for Mo Donegal. The problem is how far back do you need to start? 
Because if you're starting 10 lengths behind horses that have a legitimate finish, you're probably not going to get there. It's the same thing I talk about with turf racing. And that's effectively what these two dirt horses, they kind of run like. Turf horses. They save their energy and they finish with just a wicked, wicked kick. That can work. But you need everything to unfold perfectly. And against 19 other horses, at a short price, I've seen him listed potentially as the favorite. Talent-wise, maybe. Trip-wise, no shot. Wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole at odds of 7-2 to two or 4-1. to one. You need everything to work perfectly for you. You think it's going to happen? Maybe it will. But run the race 100 times. How often is it going to just unfold in an ideal scenario for you? You really think it's going to unfold perfectly for you one out of five times? Or excuse me, like somewhere in that 20% range? Maybe it will. Find out. He's a very good racehorse. He's got a wicked finish. He has in all of his races. But he has no early speed. And I'd just be, I'd be very, very leery of taking him at a short price. And the same goes for Mo Donegal. I'm saying the exact same thing because I think they're the same horse. Really, really good. Mile and a quarter is their friend. Where that may not be the case for the majority of the field. Which gives them a leg up. But my God, they are way behind early. And I just, I don't think that's going to translate all that well. Unless you're going to carry, you know, an eighth of a mile of ground to make sure that you're in the clear, which frankly, I'm fine with. If you got a horse like this, just make sure he doesn't get stopped. If you don't think the distance is a problem, which it's not for him, keep him out in the clear. Who, who the hell cares? Don't, but don't get cute. Don't try to do this, that, and the other and work out a turf trip. Just don't do it. Um, smile happy. I mean, I, I don't know. I read after the race that McPeak says he wasn't fully cranked up. I mean, he needed points. I'd, I'd be very surprised if if that was the case. Um, I hate that he was back to his left lead for the final 16th of a mile or just inside the final 16th. Um, he did carry ground. He went 16 feet farther than Zandon did. That's not going to make up the difference in two and a half lengths. The other thing I would suggest, I, I don't know how Keeneland had all of their trackist numbers up for every other race but the bluegrass on Saturday. Unless something funny happened, I have no idea. But that that drives you nuts. Look, I like that he's paired up by buyer tops of 94 in his two prep races. I think he got a forward move. I think he's going to get close to 100 the first Saturday in May. I don't know how I feel about the professionalism with this horse because he popped to his left lead at the end of the Kentucky Jockey Club as well. Um, he got handled by Zandon here. Make no mistake about it. Zandon was the better horse. I like that he's got a little bit more tactical speed, but he's not. He's also one that it's probably the closest he's ever been to the pace, and he was only 118. I mean, it's not like he was burning out there close to the front end. Horses like Epicenter have more early foot than he does. Early Voting certainly has more early foot than he does. Uh, the horses out in California have more early foot than he does. I think you're going to get a forward move from Smile Happy. I don't know if it's going to be enough to convince me that he is the play the first Saturday in May, but it all, it's all going to depend on price. And that's why. If you told me Zandon would be 15 to 1, I would say, let's do it. It's going to be a third of that. I mean, and look, I was guilty of it way back when, but partially, or mainly, because I had a future ticket on Orb at 75 or 85 to 1, whatever it was. At, at 4 to 1? That, that would have been an insane take. At 80 to 1, it's a different story. 
at four to one with Zandon or six to one on Mo Donegal? I mean, shit, man, you need a lot to go your way if you're going to win. As opposed to these other horses, and we have seen it time and time and time again over the past six, seven, eight years. It's the horses that can stay close and have some finish. That's the recipe for success. The two winners of these two races, I think they're really, really talented. Neither of them are horses that can be close. Or have shown that they can be. And if all of a sudden they are close the first Saturday in May, I'll go, what the hell happened? How did this happen? Because they've never done it before. So you can just reinvent the wheel going into the biggest race? I can't believe that. I think it's, this is another good race. I think all three races on Saturday were strong. We're going to get to the Santa Anita Derby, but, you know, this whole thing boils down to the market. Don't, unless you love the horse, don't settle for a short price on a horse that's going to be coming from six, seven, eight, nine, ten lengths out of it. Because that's not a recipe for success. Let me know your thoughts about this race beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt to California. Now, I have no idea if it's going to work, but if, if you don't believe Taba is the most talented horse in the Kentucky Derby field, you're, you're just either ignorant or you're lying to yourself. For what he's accomplished in two starts, for as fast as he's run in two starts, he is the best horse in the race. And I don't have much doubt about that. If you want to question, as I do, if it's too much too soon, I, you have, you're asking this horse an exceedingly large amount. I mean, for him to go from six to nine against winners for the first time, and not just winners, grade one caliber runners, to do what he did is off the charts. The figs are fast. You're into 102 buyer, a 126 time form US rating, pace adjusted to 125. I, I have on good account that that buyer could be higher. Um, I mean, he's the best horse in the race. If he can handle a mile and a quarter four weeks from now, knowing that he's only run twice and his debut is at the beginning of March, if he can handle the mile and a quarter, he's, he's the best horse in the race. He should work at a decent trip. His finish is there. He's the best horse in the race. I have no idea what toll these first two races are going to take on this horse. You're going to have to keep an eye on the training as you lead up to the first Saturday in May. Because if he looks no worse for the wear, he's probably going to win the Kentucky Derby. I think he's probably more talented than Justify was, and Justify won the Triple Crown. You asked a lot of him in a short amount of time, but to be fair, he even had an extra race compared to Taba. And he debuted earlier than Taba. I think Taba's probably more talented at this point in his career than American Pharaoh was. Maybe even Arrowgate. Name many of the other recent three-year-olds. I mean, I, I think he is... I think he's potentially a special, special horse. If you think this is too much too soon, then this is a prime opportunity to bet against or to toss him in general. But of the horses that you saw on Saturday, I have no doubt he's the best. None. None of those other horses that we've talked about, or we will continue to talk about, including Messier, are able to do what this horse did in such a short amount of time. He really has no right to do what he's done. But he's, he's the most talented horse in, in the field. Uh, Messier, 
I'm going to take a victory lap here. Told you after that last race, he rode a conveyor belt. The race is too fast. Sure enough, he regresses four points. Um, and oddly enough, I think this is the best race he's run. I love that he sat off of Forbidden Kingdom. And granted, something clearly went wrong with Forbidden Kingdom. So don't hold this race against him. I had my reservations. If he's got this epiglottis thing, you know, give him a pass. But I like that Messier sat, took over, and he's got run down by a better horse. There's really no other way to put it. If you want to say he needed the race, because we hadn't seen him since the beginning of February, and maybe we'll get a forward move at Churchill, entirely possible. Uh, I just think of the two, there's, there's little doubt that he got beat by a better horse. Um, but he also has the ability to be close enough, so bringing it back to the Bluegrass and bringing it back to the Remsen, each of these two horses have much better tactical speed than either Mo Donegal or Zandon. And they have solid finishes. So if they're going to start six lengths or seven lengths in front of those two, and let's say the other two can pick up five lengths, which is an enormous amount, you're still two lengths behind. These two are going to have the advantage, along with an epicenter, along with anybody else that's got tactical speed, over those two as good as they are every single time. They just are. I'm not breaking any news here. It's basic handicapping. If you've got a horse that has tactical speed, but also can finish, you're going to win more often than you lose. And if you have a horse who has the best finish in the race, but has no early speed, you're going to win sometimes, but probably not as often as you should, because luck is a thing. You need to get lucky in those instances. And maybe one of those two will get lucky the first Saturday in May. But purely on prices, they're going to probably be underlays compared to these two. These two will probably be priced appropriately unless you think, again, too much too soon for Taba. But as far as Messier is concerned, he'll probably be a fair price. 8, 10 to 1, some, somewhere thereabouts. I haven't done the whole exercise. That's going to be the next segment, my fair odds. But just given where they're going to start, I don't know. You tell me why something different would happen. And I'm sure there are going to be people that are just, you know, fanboys of certain horses and this, that, and the other and say, oh, no, it's got to be this one because so-and-so is with so-and-so. I don't care. It's basic, basic handicapping. If I get the head start on you by a significant amount and I still have finish, I'm going to beat you more often than not. If you think otherwise, you're just wrong. Hate to be that blunt. Taba is an otherworldly talent. I don't know what the... the I don't know what the book is going to end up looking like on this horse. But if he stays healthy and can continue to answer what are borderline unreasonable questions, he, he put it this way, he right now, to me, is the only horse in this group that has the potential to be one that we're talking about as a three-year-old for years and years. I mean, he, he feels like a generational talent. We'll find out. The wheels could fall off any day now. But right now, he's the best one we got. Let me know your thoughts about any of the three races. Overall, who do you like out of them all? Uh, did we see the Derby winner last Saturday? Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt now, fair odds. Given the 20 horses listed at KentuckyDerby.com on Monday, April 11th. I get it. There's no post draw yet. 
and there could be defections. The race in the Lexington could end up changing something and somebody gets in, somebody gets bumped. I don't care. The 20 that are listed here, that's what I'm going off of. I'm telling you what I think is fair from a price standpoint. Let's do it. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, the value line is out. I've tweeted it out. You can find it over on my handle at Bernie or underscore Matt. And, you know, it's it's one of the best things. You throw it out there and people are going to tear it apart or say it's great or everywhere in between, basically. Um, but I'll go through for those of you that aren't on Twitter. And all I've done is taken the 20 horses that as of today, April 11th, are listed 1 through 20 at KentuckyDerby.com. Things could change. There could be defections. Somebody could run well in the Lexington. A number of different things can happen. But if these 20 horses went to the gate the first Saturday in May and we're assuming they're all training well and all is good, this is what I would deem fair odds on each one of the runners. And before we get going, I'm sure many people will question why there are so many 50 and 100 to 1 shots. And it's because with a fair odds line, it has to total 100 points. One of the horses has to win. And basically, 100 points or one, if you want to use it on sort of the fractional side of things. So you're going to have a lot of horses that, number-wise, make it sound like they can't win. But that's simply because, just based on the math, that's how it shakes out. If you like other horses and think they've got big chances, inherently, you have to have a lot that don't have chances, based on your numbers. So I'm just going to go 20 through 1. We're going to get a lot of the fat out of the way before we get to the nitty-gritty. Tawny Port, I have him listed at 100 to 1. Charge It, 50 to 1. Summer is Tomorrow, 100 to 1. Zozos, 30 to 1. Messier, 10 to 1. Morello, 50 to 1. Early Voting, 30 to 1. Un Ojo, 100 to 1. Barber Road, 100 to 1. Slow Down Andy, 100 to 1. Smile Happy, 13 to 1. Simplification, 50 to 1. Taba, 4 to 1. Crown Pride, 50 to 1. Cyberknife, 50 to 1. Tis the Bomb, 50 to 1. Mo Donegal, 10 to 1. White Abario, 30 to 1. Zandon, 10 to 1. Epicenter, 4 to 1. Now, in any race, for the most part, if you go through and use sort of the, the Barry Meadow methodology of going through and assigning prices, you're really only looking at playing horses that are in that 6-1 to one range or better, meaning shorter. Because realistically, beyond that, they don't have a great chance of winning. In this instance, that would basically give me two horses that I would find viable as win options. Epicenter at 4-1 to one and Taba at 4-1. to one. And I, I, I throw that sort of caveat out there that that's assuming all of these horses are going into the first Saturday in May in good form. They're not sore. They're not this. They're not that. Everything is going well. Because, again, Taba, I, I could see a scenario where he doesn't even get to the race based on everything he's done. And if that's the case, then this line changes dramatically. But purely on talent, I think he's the best horse in the race. Close behind him is Epicenter, in my opinion. And again, no surprise. They're two horses that have tactical speed that can be close to the front. One of them has shown that he can win outright on the lead going a mile and an eighth. No problem. I think they're the two most likely winners if they all show up. The co-third choice is in here. Because you've got those two at four, so your co-third choices would be there. your three of them anyway. The 10-to-1 shots. Zandon, Mo Donegal, 
Messier. Messier of the lot would have the best tactical speed, probably give him a leg up over the other two. The other two, if this thing turns into a barbecue, they are going to probably be your exacta. Assuming they can find a trip, they got to find holes. Beyond that, I have Smile Happy at 13 to 1. I wanted to like him more than I did coming out of that bluegrass. But when you see the other horses listed, he just needs to improve and have the others not do any better than they have been doing. It'd be one thing if I really thought there was another big move in him, and I do think he could improve. But he's got to have to improve a pretty substantial amount and be much more professional at a mile and a quarter. So I made him 13 to 1. Then beyond that, everybody else is 30 to 1 and north of that. So I would encourage you if you've never done it before, and the reason I'm blinking if you're watching is I have an eyelash in my eye. Doesn't feel very good, but... We will persist. Um, if you've never done a value line before, the Kentucky Derby is one of the more difficult ones to do simply because, again, the math is going to make good horses look bad. Charge it at 50 to 1. Charge it is one of the more talented horses in the race. I just don't think he knows what he's doing yet. I think he needs more seasoning. At anything really short in a race like this, I think you're asking for trouble. At least... With Zandon or Mo Donegal, they're professional. No, they don't have speed, but I'm not worried about them kind of looking around and freaking out. Charge it. I don't know if he's ready to go. I may be way underrating the Florida form. I got White Abario at 30 to 1. Many people are looking at him as a prime, prime candidate. I could be wrong. But based on what I've seen and his numbers, no, I think he's got about a 3% chance to win the race. The 50 to ones in any other race, they're probably sand, you know, sub 10 to one, but because you've got 20 interests and you have to total a hundred, you got to make a call somewhere. Assuming they all get there in good order. I have epicenter at four to one and Taba at four to one. If you want to see the full list, it's over on my Twitter handle at Bernie or underscore Matt. Let me know what your thoughts are and a nice sort of uh, shortcut, if you will, if you don't want to do the whole 100-point exercise, take the horses that you don't think have a chance to win and just wipe out 20%. Give the horses you think can win the race 80% of your time. It's a little bit of a shortcut, but I'd like to go through and actually assign what I think for each runner. I think it's a more precise number. And this is just my opinion. And you know what? If you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to bet it based on these numbers. You may look at it and say Zandon should be 3-1. to one. And if that's the case, so be it. You and I just differ on our opinion of how likely a winner he is the first Saturday in May. Same can go for any of these other horses. Who knows? Maybe early voting. I'm not giving enough credit. He's going to probably be on the lead or close to it if they go. Maybe he's close to a 15-1 to one shot instead of 30. But when you really think about it, the difference between a 15-1 to one shot and a 30-1 to one shot is effectively 3%. A 15 to 1 shot is about a 6% chance of winning the race. A 30 or 33 to 1 shot is a 3% chance. So you're that's the other reason that anything above 6, the numbers they are only incrementally different, but the percentages change. You follow what I'm saying? The difference between a 20 to 1 shot and a 100 to 1 shot really isn't that much. A 20 to 1 shot is a roughly 5% chance of winning. 
100 to 1 shot is a 1% chance. Now it is. The difference in the percentages is exponential, but as far as the actuality of chances of them winning out of 100%, 5% is not that much. Let me know what your thoughts are. Beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt, you can also make fun of this list over there. Feel free to fire away. I've got my settings set, so I won't see a lot of it anyway, but have at it. Um, I'll be back next week. We'll talk about the Kentucky Oaks and any of the other horses that you would like to hear talked about. Whether it's Speaker's Corner, whether it's somebody else that I've missed, the racing out in California, anywhere else, Keeneland, whatever the case may be, you know the drill. Leave your comment beneath the video player on YouTube. Uh, Until next week, best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 111 of the Matt Bernier Show.